Hey, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the lovely podcast, your favorite podcast out there. I am so excited for this episode today. So I'm interviewing someone who has really transformed the way that I approach cleanups and how my team approach cleanups and also diagnostic reviews and really making sure that you're charging for those things sometimes. And she's got a wealth of information. She has been such a trailblazer in this industry. She has amazing 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 resources she's got a great youtube channel i've learned so much from her you might know her name her name is veronica wasik she's a speaker she's going to be at scaling new heights this year which is super exciting and i can't wait for the day i get to meet her in person but i'm so honored that she's here on this podcast we're going to dive deep into a lot of things cleanups so we're going to talk about the software that she recommends when you're doing cleanups how to really approach your cleanups and utilizing those cleanups, like the system around it to actually help you with sales tactics. And also we just dive into some random conversation here and there, really geared towards just running your business and the apps and the software. It's just such a great episode. And I'm just so honored that Veronica is here on this podcast. And so I can't wait for you to dive into it today. Do you ever feel like if you had actionable systems in place that it can actually take your practice to the next level? Can you imagine the freedom you'd gain from finally getting everything out of your head and into a system that can help you move things on autopilot? Do you ever feel like you want to hire help for your practice, but you just don't know where to start? Trust me, I get it, and you're not alone, but it doesn't have to be this way. You're kick-ass at doing the bookkeeping and accounting work, there's no doubt about that, but you struggle to maintain the systems and operations of your business, am I right? But don't worry, that's where I come in, the workflow queen. I'm going to guide you on how to implement tech, systems, and automation in your practice so you can scale bigger, hire better, and break through to the next level. I can't wait to support you here on the Conquering Workflows and Systems for Bookkeepers and Accountants podcast with your host, Alyssa Lang. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Conquering Workflows and Systems for Bookkeepers and Accountants podcast with your host here, Alyssa Lang. I am so incredibly honored and excited for this guest today. I'm very surprised we actually haven't ever talked to each other in real life. It's so very <laughs> exciting. I can't wait till one day meet you in person. A lot of her resources and information online, her YouTube channel and her courses have been a really, really great place for my team to get up to speed on cleanups. And if we ever have random things that we need to like tackle, like I love your YouTube video on the clearing accounts, by the way, it changed my life. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Veronica Wasik. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, Alyssa. Hello, everyone. So happy to be here with you and so excited to meet you as well. The workflow because I love workflows. <laughs> but yes, I am Veronica Wasik, and I am the CEO and founder of VM Wasik, where we we love Shopify. So we we live in the e-commerce world. We do bookkeeping and consulting for Shopify sellers. And I'm also the founder of the 5MB Academy, where I educate virtual bookkeepers to become better bookkeepers. It's kind of my, my motto recently. <laughs> And I started my, initially it was a blog, then became a YouTube channel, a five minute bookkeeping several years ago. I think 2014 is when I started it. And then it it has grown into a very successful YouTube uh, channel where I'm able to educate a lot of bookkeepers. Mm -hmm. And let's see what else I, I'm certified advanced in QuickBooks online and have been named a top 100 pro advisor, which was a a dream 
come true. And then a I top love it. which was amazing. Wow. And I live in Sugarland, Texas. So it's very close to Houston, but I am looking to move to the country in a couple of years. You're about 90 minutes away from Houston. Oh, how exciting. I'm just, I love it when I meet other women who are just powerhouses, to be honest. I love what you do. And I love that you're so inspiring to the community, especially because I think there's a lot of as you know, there's a lot of people who kind of come into this industry, like for what we do. So we support bookkeepers and accountants who come in and you see them for a minute and then they're gone or their integrity might not be there. I do have faith in people ultimately, but I love when other people have great like heart in what you do and that you genuinely want to help people. So I appreciate that so much about you. I am so pumped that you're here today. I have a lot of things to be talking about because I know you're like known as like the cleanup queen. I First of all, before we even dive into that, your YouTube channel, I'm actually genuinely curious did you start that with intentions of using that as a way to gain clients or exposure to your firm? Or did you start it just to help bookkeepers? And that's a great question. I actually started it initially. I thought, okay, I'm just going to help small business owners. And it yeah. all really resulted from, okay, I cannot do all of these free consultations with people because <laughs> I was trying to do that. I was like, I'll help you. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I can't. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll start doing videos to educate small business owners and to find clients and then I started developing this following of bookkeepers and I kept thinking I don't know I don't want to you know so you're not I don't want to do it (laughs) right but then it was like hello (laughs) the audience is there and so the people came actually I didn't build it they came first (laughs) then I built it (laughs) and so and I was I just start to develop a passion for educating bookkeepers because I was so tired of talking to prospective clients who were saying that, oh, my last bookkeeper didn't know what they were doing or they messed up my books or yeah. so whether that was true or not. I just felt like, you know, bookkeepers need education. They need empowerment. They need also to be valued because, mm-hmm. yes, there are some bookkeepers who maybe are not experienced enough, but I think also that as a whole bookkeepers are not given really the value that they deserve. And a lot of that comes from them empowering themselves and and that comes through knowledge. And so that's how I decided initially, let me educate on QuickBooks Online that has now developed into more business topics, technical topics, just kind of whatever needs I see out there. <laughs> yeah. doing the video. I love it. I, I definitely was really interested in, in hearing that answer. So that's really, really exciting. It's funny because that's kind of how like the company here at Workflow Queen was born was there was just a need for systems like in our industry mm-hmm. and someone to really teach it. And it kind of found me like, just like you're saying, they really just like showed up and like they come flocking. It's like, once you're in like that niche and it is a niche, essentially what you do with the YouTube channel, what you do at 5MB bookkeeping. And even for myself, they just flock because there's no education around a lot of things. And I love that your intention ultimately was, I keep running into these errors on my own client's books. So why not be proactive and solve that problem by educating those before me? You know, so I really, really love that. So speaking of cleanups, because this is my favorite topic, I know a lot of our listeners love cleanups. I think we all do. It's like, solving problems and like putting the puzzle pieces together. I know that you have several, you have your cleanup course and a diagnostic review course. We have both of them at my firm and my team loves them. We love the resources. We love the spreadsheet. I, of course we all love our, our spreadsheets here, but I'm really curious. So with your cleanups, have you ever found that a lot of people in this industry, especially not having the right knowledge, 
feel stressed out or overwhelmed or don't really know how to tackle a cleanup from the beginning, like what would be your recommendation of how to get started on something that's big and super messy? Yeah. And it's interesting because I am also very workflow driven and very methodical. Mm -hmm. And and so I wasn't really understanding that, that there are some people that they don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. They don't know what order to work in. And there, and I believe there's a specific order that you should work in when you're doing a cleanup. And most importantly, they were telling me, I don't even know if I'm done. Like, how do I even know if I'm done? And I'm thinking like, how, okay, they must not have a system for doing it. Yeah. And so that was my initial goal in doing the diagnostic review was just, okay, before you do a cleanup, you have to know what's wrong with the box. And to yeah. be able to explain to your client, like, here's everything that's wrong with your book so that uh, then I can fix that. Yeah. And as a result of creating that system, what it also, I guess, of the byproduct of it was that now you had an effective sales tool and a way mm-hmm. to be valued and yeah. to really stand out from others who might just say, well, oh, clean up. Okay. That's, you know, $50 an hour and not yep. telling how long it'll take. So now you could show your client exactly what's wrong mm. and to have a game plan before you ever did the cleanup. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny that you were talking about the sales prospect process aspect. So for people who aren't process driven like us, like we're two peas in a pod over here. Like we love that. That's probably why I love like your we're program. Geeking out. <laughs> yeah, we're like, yeah, we can talk about systems all day. We'd be so excited. It would never be boring. But in the sales process, I think sometimes people who don't come from a sales background don't understand that sometimes when there is a system in place, because you have it clearly defined and maybe phases or whatever that looks like, it actually becomes a really unique sales like approach and a sales tactic is Hey, you know, prospective client, like we went through the books, here we go. And here's our system. So we're going to start with this and we're going to check in with you. We're going to do this, but because you have it well-defined and laid out, it's a great way to use that tool in a way to land those clients and show your expertise. Yes, it is. And, and I think the value is in being able to point out to your client exactly what's wrong with their books, because a lot of clients know that there's something wrong. I mean, if a client already is at the stage where they know something is wrong, yeah, they don't necessarily know how to fix it. And then you can validate that, that yes, there is something wrong. And here's yeah. all of these other things that are wrong. But <laughs> guess what? In fact, yesterday I talked to a client that I was going over the diagnostic review report with him. Yeah. And he said, you know, I was just so frustrated. I just wanted to, to just dump the whole thing and start over. Yeah. And I said, you know, yes, there are some things that are, that are bad that, okay, you have duplicated yeah. income, but we don't need to start over. We need to fix it. And then we need to give you better habits to continue on your oh, own. Interesting. Yeah. Especially about the habits. It's sometimes you got to retrain them. We were talking about how, when you change internal systems and stuff, it's sometimes new changes, new things. It just frustrates us. It's overwhelming. And even the clients will feel the same if they've been invoicing wrong and incorrectly this whole time or matching payments or whatever that looks like you have to like retrain them. Like it's, you know, it's not fun. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of that is also empowering our clients. They Mm -hmm. don't all necessarily want or need us to work with them on an ongoing basis. But if we can then, let's say we clean up the books and then we show them how to keep the books relatively clean, Yeah, you can't turn them into bookkeepers, but then yeah. we're there as a resource to them. And in some cases, 
honestly, you'd probably be more profitable maintaining those clients on that relationship than trying to do the books for them. Like consistently. Yeah. I think there's a lot of like conversation around, you know, taking on these clients that don't really want us like long-term, but they really just need to clean up. How do you recommend to anybody, especially someone who's maybe a little bit more newer and hasn't really done a lot of cleanups? How do you suggest that they approach those conversations with clients without, without saying like, and pushing them into having to do monthly, you know, bookkeeping and ongoing work? How can they approach that and explain to a client that you're not going to be a bookkeeper by me training you, but also you might need me at the end of the year to make certain entries into your books. How would you recommend someone approach that conversation? Yeah, great question. So my approach has always been that I don't sell a client on all of the services that we can do from the get-go. I tackle each specific need and I just move them along. So for Mm -hmm. example, if I have someone that says the books are messed up, okay, we're going to do a diagnostic review and here's the outcome of that. You'll have a a report of findings and recommendations. We'll go over it and we'll chart a roadmap for getting you to the next step. So Mm -hmm. then once I go over the report, then, okay, here's everything that's wrong with your books. These are the things that we're we're going to need to do to get your books to a clean state. Mm -hmm. So we get the books to a clean state. I, I will usually even offer up a couple of coaching sessions because what I've seen most of the time is they want empowerment. They want to feel like they could do it if they needed to. They want to understand it. Yeah. And so I will give them a couple of coaching sessions and then they can decide if they want to continue on their own or if they want help from us or if they just want us to take it over. And at times they just say, okay, oh, wow, this is a lot. Okay, you can take it on now. But a lot of it has to do with the trust that they need to to develop in the process and in you as the bookkeeper before they can let it go. Because you're dealing with a lot of negative emotions, shame, embarrassment that they feel because, okay, their books got that bad. Yeah. And so the more that you continue to work with them and just bring them along in the process, the more they will trust you and your, your system and your process and your way of doing things. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I tell people all the time that the most, the two most vulnerable aspects of anything is being naked is what I say. And the second one is your finances. And so when you're asking one of your clients and you're on these calls, like it's really hard for someone to show you the most, one of the most vulnerable pieces of themselves. And like you said, you're really just essentially building that trust through that conversation and making it known that like, we're here, we know what we're talking about. We're going to take really good care of you and we're going to move you along the process versus trying to just sell them into it because there's been a ton of times I've done like trainings for like a client and they end up being like, holy crap, this is a lot of work. And they don't realize they don't value what, not that they don't intentionally not value us, but it just naturally happens. They don't understand what we do. They just think that we code transactions and maybe look at a couple of receipts here and there. So when they see it, they're like, yeah, Yeah. I'm not doing that. (laughs) Well, and you know, if you consider how let's say QuickBooks or other accounting software companies market themselves, they market themselves on the, this aspiration of you have automation and the bank feeds and it Mm -hmm. just automatically gets done. And then they realize that that's not the case. And so then if you can then find those kinds of clients that they bought into that idea, they Mm -hmm. tried it and now their books are messed up, but you can get them to 
the the ideal that they want a clean set of books and yeah. and maybe possibly them doing some aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. So I just did a consult call yesterday with a prospective client and they're on QB self-employed. So I just want to know your opinions on QB self-employed. <laughs> oh my goodness. I it's oh gosh. I'm trying it's, it's a trying hard one. It's funny something. because I love I love QuickBooks. I love everything, but self-employed man, there's a lot of times where businesses, I'm like, it's not the right place to be. It, if you're a business owner and you're really trying to see true reports and they don't make it very easy to convert it to the next phase. Like that's why I was like really curious, like how you approach those conversations. Hey, listener, just wanted to quickly interrupt this episode today to ask you, have you been trying to find a better solution to actually taking payments from your clients? Then boy, do I have a solution for you. One of my absolute favorite pieces of tech is Pluto. Pluto is such a game changer in your business. It really helps you to allow you to be able to take payments easily from your clients through ACH. They also take credit card as well, but they have so many different options. One of the big perks to using something like Pluto over something like QBO and all the other options that we have out there for invoicing is because it is way more cost effective and it has saved me thousands of dollars on those fees that we get taken out for invoicing our clients. So we no longer use QuickBooks Online in order to invoice our own clients. We now have migrated over to Pluto. And if you want to learn more about Pluto and check it out, it is amazing. They make such a seamless process for our clients to be able to add the ACH information, to ask them to authorize us to be able to take the automatic payment every single month and saves us a ton of money in fees. You're just going to go to workflowqueen.com backslash Pluto. That's workflowqueen.com backslash Pluto to learn more. Yeah, we don't get that many clients who are trying to use it anymore, but I'm not sure who their target user is. Mm -hmm. And they're really not developing any additional functionality. They haven't for some time, at, at least to my knowledge. Uh, or at least what has been promoted and on social media that, and so I think they're keeping the product around, but I don't know exactly who their ideal uh, customer is. And then Intuit as a whole is moving toward the mid market anyways. Yeah. I think from, from what I'm thinking they might, their intention is, is more of like, like an Uber driver or maybe like a Grubhub and wanting to track your mileage or something like that that's kind of how I see it. Like maybe a contractor on the side or just, you know, you just do a little side hustle or something. And, but we get that, we get that pretty often. And I don't know if it's maybe like the industry that I'm in, but we get it pretty often. And so having that conversation, well, why can't I just use this subscription? Like you're saying the automations, it's like, you're kind of fed into this idea and then they get in there and it's like, I can't even reconcile anything. We can't even like fix things or make sure that we're double checking all the work and trying to educate the client in the meantime. So that when you say these words, like reconcile, a lot of people don't even know what that means. And making them feel confident in the way you're saying it and kind of almost like making it like you're, you're trying to explain to a third grader is the best way to describe it. Cause you really do Mm -hmm. have to be gentle and not play this game where, Oh, I know all these big words and you don't. (laughs) Yeah. Or no, even when clients use big words with us and we think they know what they're saying and like (laughs) reconciliation, I always ask them to clarify what they mean by that or Mm -hmm. automation too. I'd like to take advantage of all the automation. Like, okay, tell me what that means to you. Yeah. That's a really good approach. That's a great sales tactic in the sense of like understanding what they mean. So that way, when they're signing a contract with us, they're not saying, yes, she's going to reconcile, but maybe he thinks it's cash flow projections. Like, you know, that's oh, yeah. a pretty or dramatic like scale. The, the bank feeds or something, or, or like yeah. my other favorite one is clean my chart of accounts. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. what does that mean? The chart of accounts or the transactions that went into the category? <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. I, I just love it. So whenever you're approaching these cleanups and you're going through it, you clearly have a system because you have your program. I love your program, which I'll drop the links to everyone who's listening to everything. I, I love what you do. Can you explain like what you have available for people who maybe are, I know a lot of people who are been in the industry for a very long time who still get overwhelmed with cleanups as much as they love them. But what do you have available for people as resources? Oh my goodness. We have a lot. So in my YouTube channel, I have an entire playlist of just QuickBooks online diagnosis and cleanup topics. Oh, wow. And so in fact, for diagnosis, I walk through the entire balance sheet and the profit and loss and just looking at each account and then, okay, this is wrong. Why is it wrong? And then I offer some cleanup solutions that are granted. And truth be told, I don't give everything away. Yeah, obviously, absolutely. <laughs> so, charge. Courses, but, so that's one, a, a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Then on 5mbacademy.com, that's my online academy. I have some free resources and paid resources. So one of okay. them is the smart review checklist, which I think we'll be sharing that yep. with everyone later. And that just shows you how to look at your at your client's books very quickly, just a, in 15 minutes, sort of spot mm-hmm. some of the, the, the glaring issues that they have so that then you can use that as a basis for offering a paid diagnostic review. Mm-hmm. I have a cleanup checklist as yes. well. And now in the, in the paid resources cleanup checklist, the paid diagnostic review course and the diagnostic review is all about before doing the cleanup, going through your books, having a methodical way to review all of the biggest areas in which people make mistakes, balance sheet, profit and loss, undeposited funds, bank reconciliations, and more, putting together a report of findings with your client, then how to go over that report of findings with your client, and then how to present additional services to them. Yeah. And then there's my complete QBO cleanup system course. And that is the course in which then I show you how to do a cleanup. So Mm -hmm. not only from the standpoint of the order you should work in, but the actual training on how do you clean up a bank reconciliation? What are the things you need to be looking for even? Yeah. Like what? So you don't have to even know what you're going to clean up because I will yeah. show you that. So how to diagnose, mm-hmm. how to clean up. What is the cleanup solution? Why did it happen? I'm a big believer in fix the, the problem. Yeah. Don't yeah. just, to make the problem go away, mm-hmm. you have to then usually train or coach your client in addition to, doing yeah. the, the cleanup part. Yeah. It goes into workflow. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said, what do you do first? What do you do second? Mm-hmm. The balance sheet reconciliation to the mm-hmm. tax return is a big one. Yeah. Which period to uh, make your adjustments in because that gets complicated mm-hmm. uh, with certain types of clients. If the tax return was already filed, then I don't necessarily need to go in there and change the numbers. Yeah. And then I go into an entire master class of A to C QuickBooks online and how to review and diagnose and clean up. I don't even think I actually was able to go through the whole thing myself because it's so great. There's so much. And honestly, it's just a great 
like resource in the sense of when you run into this specific error or there's something that's happening, or let's just say one of my team members has a question. It's, we don't have to create all these SOPs and all these things. It's like, just check out Veronica's program, like go check it out. And they usually can come back and then we can create our system around that. Right. So it's a great foundation for us to then build these things out. So like we document a lot of the errors and issues. I know that you offer the spreadsheet. We actually converted that into notion for us. Mm -hmm. So I just love that you made it so easy to then therefore say, what software do I want to use to execute all of this stuff? So speaking of softwares, what do you recommend when it comes to cleanups? And I know that this answer could be based off niche. Obviously, if you're working with something like Shopify, Mm -hmm. it would change that. But what would you recommend for someone who's a little bit overwhelmed with what to start with with cleanups? Yes, we started using Asana. That has Mm -hmm. been our our go-to software for several years. Love it. And as of, let's see, a little over a year ago, we started using Keeper. Mm -hmm. And so we have now moved all of the client services projects to Keeper, including Mm -hmm. cleanups. Nice. And we're managing the administrative side internal projects still on Mm -hmm. Asana. Nice. Nice. Keeper is great for cleanups, to be honest, because you can go through the transactions really quickly. You can change the vendors really easily. I'm actually testing out Xenex. It used to be called auto review. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. if you're familiar with it. They're coming out with a brand new interface. It's very similar to the interface of Keeper. So it's quite interesting. So pretty much essentially having something like QuickBooks obviously is the, 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 the given here is having QuickBooks to do the cleanup. If they're using QuickBooks, unless it's something like zero and, and whatnot, and then another suggestion is having something that can help you really with that quality control and, to, and that yeah. sometimes a human eye can't really catch everything or inconsistencies in a vendor, or it's inevitable people that you're going to run into a scenario where you can't see something that automation can, and that's where you can leverage that. So yeah. great tips. I'm going to make sure to drop all these yeah. links and in the show have, notes. Um, we put together a checklist or basically our tasks based on what we find in the diagnostic review. So all of that becomes part of our the pro, the cleanup project. Mm-hmm. And that way we make sure that we do everything that we're supposed to do mm-hmm. and everything gets checked off when it's completed. And so yeah. then, as you said, then we go through a quality control process of ensuring that everything we said that we would do is yeah. now done. And then of course, reviewing the financials again, making sure everything looks the way that it should the, the the outcome and package it up, put a little bow on it and send it off. <laughs> and, and that was with not the, the case. My, my first cleanup did not go that way. <laughs> Isn't it always really funny. It's like who I, I just always imagine that you would just have always been good at cleanups because, you know, but that the, the reality of it is we all start messy. We all start oh, scrambling, gosh. you know? <laughs> yes. I, I, my first cleanup, what I think if of all the cleanup has been one of the most difficult Really? Uh, just because I, I still to this day don't know what the client did, but there were all of these extra transactions that she imported. It was actually a QuickBooks desktop cleanup because that was before online was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so somehow she managed to import all of these bank feeds that to this day, I don't know where they came from. Wow. And I could say, are you sure you don't have other bank accounts that are, you know, business bank accounts? No. Are you using any personal bank account? No. And I just realized, okay, the the source of truth are the bank statements. So that yes. is what I will go by. And so, but I was so nervous because I thought, oh my gosh, that she yeah. has other accounts that I don't know about. 
and ultimately know that the source of truth were the statements. And so that's what I went wow. by. And I think she was just accidentally importing her personal. Oh, like connecting it. It's all I can figure because they weren't duplicates. They were just other yeah. types of transactions. <laughs> is that one of the cleanups that like when you're laying in bed at the middle in the middle of the night and you can't sleep, you just randomly wake up thinking about where did that bank feed come from? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, those, those ones where it's like, I still can't solve. And it's like 15 years later and I'm still mad that I can't figure it out. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it was very <laughs> complex. Yeah. And that's when I think I realized that I had a, a, a knack for it of no. of getting it. And part of it, I think is also my background as an auditor, that mm. audits, financial statement audits are, are big projects. Oh, wow. And so cleanups can be big projects. And I think that's where that background really helped me with being procedural, using checklists, mm-hmm. having a system for doing something, and then taking on a big project. Yeah, absolutely. What would be the recommendation for people who are approaching these cleanups because I've heard some people who say we always, you know, plan out for a month for the cleanup or two months or two weeks, four weeks. What does that like? Everybody's different. So what is your opinion and thoughts? I know it changes based off of how big the cleanup is, but what do you see see as the average of how long it can take? Well, we have to manage our other clients in between. So for Mm -hmm. any cleanup client, the average that it takes us and while we're doing other clients is six weeks. So we're not working on that cleanup for six weeks straight. That's mm-hmm. just when we have enough a downtime to do their, their cleanup. Yeah. But, you know, some cleanups could be 20, 30 hours plus. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, even if you're cleaning up, uh, say a year and it's yeah. three hours per month, already 36 hours. So they are big projects and they can be time consuming. Yeah. So I've talked to a couple of different business owners who roll out bonuses for their team members. So people on their team who do take care of cleanups and some of them do like, if you can get it done in two weeks, you get X dollar amount. If it's four weeks, it's X dollar amount. And then after that, it's nothing to kind of encourage them to prioritize that project and stuff, depending on how fast they need to be onboarded. Do you offer anything like that on your team, like a bonus structure? We don't. I find that very interesting. I'd be concerned though, if I was making them rush something that we, and as, as you know, in our industry, if we're waiting for the client to give us something, I can't penalize the the team member because the client didn't give us what we needed. Like the information. I find that interesting, but no, I I don't. It's just part of what they do. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's the job. Yeah. The only reason I bring that up is because I hear this quite consistently, actually recently, it's been like in a lot of my programs as the conversations come up and in my head, I'm like, but one did that create more inefficiencies? Because ultimately if I'm rushed to do something while solving, putting together a puzzle, just in general, like an actual puzzle and like sitting Mm -hmm. down and doing it can take me a lot longer, but the puzzle can be the same size, but it can be more intricate, like the pieces themselves. And so for me, it always brings up this thing in my head about inefficiencies, but then also maybe we should tie that bonus to inefficiencies how many inefficiencies were there or how many mistakes were there that weren't caught and then also the deadline type thing. So I was just curious if you did. So that's great feedback. You're like, that's just, that's just part of the job. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just based on my prior experience when I worked for other people and they incentivized me with bonuses that when that changed, so I wasn't, when I was an auditor. And so if I was done 
within a certain time and yeah. their profit margin was within a certain amount, I got a bonus. Mm. And so I just worked as fast as I could because the less time I put into the audit, the more profitable it was. And yeah. so that greatly incentivized me, but then he didn't raise his prices. Like he started paying me more money, didn't raise his prices enough. Um, I mean, I mean, he, the partner. And so then he, then I was not getting a bonus anymore. And so it was, yeah, it was very discouraging. And so oh, wow. I'm leery now of like, I, I don't want, I just want it to be part of, that's their job. And I yeah. do give other kinds of bonuses. I just don't tie it to their you know, how quickly they can get something done. Yeah. More like KPIs or like annual, we do annual bonuses for the yeah. team. So we do like mm -hmm. an assessment of overall comp company profitability. If we're in the middle of like a launch or something for, especially here at Workflow Queen, like, as you know, with like courses and stuff, you go through phases where you market them, we'll usually tie like a number and they usually bonus to encourage them to come to me and say, Hey, Alyssa, I really think that we can add this layer, or maybe we could talk about this or send an email like this. And it encourages them to show up and, and also do it on my behalf. So I like that approach where it's like, I'm going to tie those bonuses to something else on the back end that's not going to force you to do work faster, which is a good perspective. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, this has been so, so amazing. I have one last question for you because I already know we're going to get a lot of people asking. So many people ask me this myself. So I'm assuming you probably get the same question. Why do you use Asana and Keeper if they both do project management? I get this question a lot. So I'm assuming you probably have the answer as well. <laughs> yes. Well, I'd hate to give the answer that I, I didn't know Keeper could do that, but <laughs> maybe it does now. No, well, we have, as I said, we have been using Asana for several years. And mm -hmm. so we have, we actually took a year just to do a Keeper implementation, like a full blown, we're going to now have every client using it. Yeah. And as you may realize too, when you are systematized, it is, you can't just go in and change everything on everyone at once. Mm -hmm. You have to then slowly test it on one client, develop yep. a new system, then yeah. make sure that it works, then roll it out. So that took us a year. Yeah. So my understanding of Keeper is that it is made for the month and cycle. Yep. You can do cleanups, you can, or add onboarding also, we've moved onboarding, but in terms of managing all of the internal projects that we have for our farm, we yeah. need to have different visibility for different team members. Some projects live in marketing, some live in sales, some live in other yeah. things. So I think it's part of that is just, we, we love the way Asana handles that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Could we do it in Keeper? I don't know, possibly, yeah. but I think Asana really works well for certain things. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily, I think it starts to at some point become a little clunky for the monthly bookkeeping workflow, mm -hmm. but you might disagree with me because you are the workflow queen. <laughs> <laughs> and we both, we both share the love for Asana here. So I know, it's like, very... I don't want to give it up. So I know me too. I'm like, I refuse. You have a, a place in your yeah. practice. I know a lot of people want to have like the one app that does everything. Oh, it's not possible. I would love that too, but it's not possible. It's... And Asana has really so much integration, Zapier. I mean, you can do so much with Zaps. And, and yeah. so, whereas Keeper, I think has a Zapier integration, but it's not a, a like where you can do every kind of Zap like you can with Asana. Yeah. It's more like in beta mode. Cause I remember when they opened up their API for Keeper, I love also connecting my Zapier to Asana because I think there's a lot of power in it, especially when you have like the paid version 
certain sections could like send invoices. We used to do that with when I did taxes, mm-hmm. they would have like their email. And when we complete a certain part of it or change the status dropdown, it would send them an invoice through QBO. Yeah. And it was really cool. So I would get that question so often. I have to explain that for me, in my eyes, like the difference between what they do is like something like Keeper or Zenix now at this point is that's the quality control. That's the double check system. That's the month end process. Well, what we do is we have everything in Asana as well, because there are a lot of things there's I got to remind, remind myself to get on sales calls. I have to, you know, do performance reviews for my team members. Like there's a lot of moving parts to the business. So I'm glad that we share that same approach. Keeper does have firm tasks area, but from what I understand, because I don't go in and like use that piece is it's actually exposed to everybody in the company. So then you would be sharing your tasks. And there's some things like, as you know, that need to be private to the CEO of the company and someone that the team should not see everything in the business. So Yeah. I love it. This is so great. I'm so happy we got to do this podcast interview together. Yes. It's been great. Yeah. It's been so much fun. So what's the best way that people can come connect with you? I know we're going to talk real quick before we shoot off this call. We're going to talk about your smart review checklist. So we'll get into that in just a second, but where can people find you, connect with you, get into your world and be immersed by Veronica Wasik? Absolutely. Well, focus one on join my Facebook group It's called five minute bookkeeping community. Cool. Number five, five minute bookkeeping community. That's the best way really to then be part of the community. We have over 20,000 members. Wow. There's also my YouTube channel. So if you just look up five minute bookkeeping, (laughs) you'll find that on YouTube. And then my online academy, 5mbacademy.com and everything starts with the number five. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. I love your five minute bookkeeping community. And for anyone listening, all these links are going to be in the show notes for you guys. So before we end this off, you have a smart review checklist to share with people. It's going to be linked below everyone, but can you explain kind of what that was? I know you kind of dipped into it a little bit, but just give us all the things. So the smart review checklist is is sort of like a mini diagnostic review. So it's Mm -hmm. just meant to take about 15 minutes. If you're talking to a prospective client Mm -hmm. and you want to just pop into their books real quick and, and just see some red flags that you can point out to them Mm -hmm. and then use that as the basis for letting them know that there are some issues with their books and that you recommend a paid diagnostic review. Yay. I love it. I love your resources. I love what you do. I'm just so thrilled that you're here and that we are getting into my listeners ears. I know that they're going to be super pumped about this episode. So for anyone listening, if you love this episode and you want Veronica back, we want an encore please tag me over at, on Instagram at workflow queen. Are you on Instagram? I am. It's a bit of a struggle for me to do more social media because my videos take up a lot of time, but I'm trying to give it's hard Instagram, but there is a at five minute bookkeeping on Instagram. (laughs) Perfect. Well, come tag us and come share the love. Maybe go share it in her Facebook community, how much you guys love this episode. Thank you once again, Veronica, for being a part of the show. And I'm sure we'll chat soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of our Conquering Workflows and Systems for Bookkeepers and Accountants podcast with your host, Alyssa Lang, the founder and owner of Workflow Queen. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and share this episode with a fellow bookkeeper or an accountant on social media, and also tag me on Instagram at Workflow Queen. The more that we work together to get this out in front of other people, the better I can help to serve this industry to create more solid systems and processes. Now go take what you learned from today's episode and apply it into your practice so you can finally give yourself the brain space and freedom that you deserve. I can't wait to see you unfold throughout your journey 
And thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode. See you next time.